You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Welcome to Quantum Leap Book Club. During the next hour, beloved mind scientist Parisha and her guests from around the world will read and discuss various best-selling books with well-known authors. Every show will apply retention techniques designed to help you to absorb powerful knowledge to effectively change your life. Join us every week for a thought-provoking hour and re-listen as often as you can. You will be delighted by what you learn, and you will be excited by the results. Are you ready to take the Quantum Leap? Greetings. This is Quantum Leap Book Club, and we are definitely raring to go here. I'm your co-host, Parisha. My wonderful and exciting co-hosts are actually joining us, and we want to talk tonight about some very important things in the book of Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And we're going to be discussing chapter 9 and 10. Okay, my co-host this evening will be Marianne Love from Melbourne, Australia. Marianne being a uh, therapist and sharing a lot of what we learn through quantum physics with her patients and the particular care that she gives. We have Trina uh, Cooper, who is in Denver, somewhere close to Denver, Colorado, and she is an entrepreneur. We have Joyce Mullenhauer, who is a nurse and a nursing coach. We have Definitely Maria Jackas, who again is a psychotherapist. And we, we do have with us Rosemary Heyer. And I'm not real sure what Rosemary's doing these days, but usually she takes people on excursions and self-discovery particular visits. And she does interpretations. And she being in Frankfurt, Germany, I'm supposing will teach English. We'll let Rosemary speak for herself pretty soon. Then we have Geraldine Dalby Ball, who has just come from Budapest and a trip through Europe, but has is at home right now, actually suffering from COVID virus. So we send our love and healing to you, Geraldine, but looking forward to you getting better so you can share all of the wonders of your trip. Our usual guest, Diana Algebra, is in Spain. And we're hoping that somewhere toward the end of the program, our uh, engineer shows us that she's able to get on so she can share some of the exciting stuff going on where she's at. My co-host, Mary, very much like myself, love to travel. I think even just before this, Trina uh, Cooper had come back from a tour of Europe. So we're kind of all over the place and we like it that way. Uh, I've always seen the planet as my home, not any particular place, but every place. And I enjoy the very fact that we move with that kind of consciousness as we bring this program to you. So at this point in time, what we're going to actually do this week with the book, okay, we know that we have a lot of Joe Dispenza fans that are actually with us and we welcome you and we do totally wish you very success with your trip of actually developing the new personality that this book actually brings to the possibilities. This chapter nine to me is very exciting because it's probably anything that is the doing of what you're reading moves me very fast. I, I find, and especially when I'm working with students, that reading is one thing and doing is definitely the power of whatever outcome you have. And so when it actually says here, apply this, do this, I see results. The reading, as you all probably know, we only retain 10% or less of what we read. So in Joe's teachings, he says you have to act upon it immediately or you're going to start losing. In fact, that the mind starts subtracting even that 10%. So it is the actual applying that anchors it into the network, the neural network. So this, this particular chapter, he's talking about meditation. And I love the fresh way uh, that he comes to it, very direct and fresh. It, it, he doesn't put a lot of the spiritual, religious particulars on it that some people do with their meditation. He, he again, as always, comes at it purely with the clear understanding of the body, the mind, and the spirit, okay? And he says that the preparation of what we're doing as far as meditation is very important. So the details of what we're told to do is a process 
And unless you follow that process as it is stated, you're diverting and there's no guarantee of outcome. And I think that a lot of people miss that. They kind of add their own remedy. Well, down the road, when you're having absolute success, I can tell you that'll work. But in the beginning, until you really get anchored and you really are in the swing of things or the zone of things, you will want to stay with the details of how to do it and do it that way. Once you've experienced the success, you know what you're going for. So anything you change and do, you will know whether you get there or not, okay? But you can't do that until you have the first practice runs. So then you begin to actually move through building the neural net, which actually becomes part of just the kind of guidelines of how you do it. Once you do build that neural net, you close your eyes. The first thing that you do is close your eyes, and then you go right into it. It just starts unfolding with you, and that's what you want to obtain. And Joe goes through that a lot in chapter nine, actually how to prepare all of that move. I have people asking, is, is uh, you know, incense necessary? Is uh, music necessary? You know, sitting cross-legged, is that necessary? You know, is this necessary? Is that necessary? And it's like, I support Joe's particular views is whatever works for you, okay, is necessary. And people who are very uncomfortable or their legs fall asleep or whatever, when they try to sit in the cross leg position, then don't, you know, either find something that doesn't allow you to sit flat to the ground, like there are little meditation stools. Maybe that'll work for you. Maybe you need a chair, you know, maybe you just need a comfortable chair. Whatever that is, obviously you sitting down and able to let go of the body is what meditation's about. It's about us coming to a place to where we turn the outer environment off. Okay, when we close the eyes, we don't want to see it, but neither do we want to hear it, neither do we want to give it any attention. And that's the first, actually, the successes that you must obtain in meditation. Now, can you do that through music? I'm not opposed to music, and I don't know that I've actually ever read anything where Joe says that music is bad, okay, for meditation, that you need not play it. I believe that the music takes us to places when we are relaxing. I don't know about your life, but my life is extremely active. I mean, extremely, okay? I, my mind is constant. So I know that I take, when I settle down, I take some breaths and put myself in position. But a few few minutes of music, uh, music in itself takes me places. So I the music I learned from that. But when, when I'm in my deep state of meditation, the music has stopped. I'm not there in the music anymore. So however that is for you, you'll have to discover that. Okay, incense. I have particular incense being of Cherokee. I do what is considered a burnt offering bowl, and it has different herbs that I burn in it. I can smell them and know where, no matter where I'm at, I'm gone. I mean, I realize altered state happens the minute that I smell the particular burnt offerings. It's sage, cedar, and I add different little other things for occasions. And particularly, I have two or three incense sticks that do the same thing. They just take me different places, okay? When I do the burnt offering in the, the abalone shell, I go to nature. I am immediately out in the forest or by some ocean or something. When I do some of the incense sticks, I end up in temples where I have visited and actually practiced meditation. Some actually take me to teachers that I've had in my lifetime that are no longer with me. These are all experiences you're going to have with that. So you want to give time to 9 and 10, the chapter 9 and 10. This is what really opens it up as far as I'm concerned. This is, a, this is about get, making a habit to replace the habits you're breaking. And it's about that time being the most valuable time of your day. So I have people that tell me they allow 15 minutes for meditation. Personally, I don't even try to take time with somebody like that, okay? 
And I have people who tell me they do a half hour. Well, I'm polite with it and everything else, but to actually spend serious time trying to work or teach with this person, I'm not going to do that. When you tell me that you make a couple hours a day, at least for your meditation, I'm right there. I'm with you and we'll walk the, the whole walk with you. Okay. But unless you are seriously applying meditation time in your day, you're just playing you're not going anywhere and you're not seeing the results that you can have. So for me, nine and 10 make all of that possible. And when you get into it, each one of our co-hosts are going to share the particular outstanding parts of these two chapters with you. And when you begin to actually explore that and you find out what your creative abilities are about, you have to do that in this. Now, some people are asking me if meditation is different and going into the knowingness, okay? Well, I believe they're both the same. I believe anything that we do, be it hypnosis, meditation, you know, the knowingness or whatever, that you actually have to go into an altered state. So it has to do with how you your neural net is affected and what your neurons do. So call it by any other name. It And I say this all the time, okay? No matter what you call it, it's hypnosis. Okay, if you say it's meditation, it's hypnosis. If you say it by any other name, it's hypnosis. It means where we purposely of ourselves actually alter our state of consciousness and being. So I'm going to let my co-hosts talk to you about their particular uh, impacts from these two chapters. And I ask you, uh, beloveds, to please share with our listeners what pages you what pages that you will be actually sharing uh, your particular view on, okay, so they can go to those pages. I want to remind our, our listeners we're in 9 and 10, chapter 9 and 10, so take your book and make sure you're there. Take your highlighter and highlight any particulars that our co-hosts are sharing so you have more time to contemplate and look at that. Joe also makes a point in these particular two chapters, the importance of journaling. And so I'd ask you to please pay attention to that as well. Okay. So we're going to start out this week and we're going to have Marianne Love in Melbourne talk. Hello, this is Marianne Love from Melbourne, Australia. Um, I love this chapter because it really gets us into the how-tos and really applying everything he's given us in the rest of the book and starting to make it a lived experience for us. Um, and I know when I started meditating years ago, it took me a long time uh, with lots of encouragement from grandmother over the years to actually sit and do it. And eventually I gave, I, I just started out by doing what I could, honestly, like just sitting down and doing something was better than nothing um, until eventually I fell in love with it and, and I started to lose time doing it. And like in the beginning, like doing five, 10 minutes was just sitting down doing it was a real drama. I made it a real drama for myself, but eventually it just became easy and like something I would really miss if I don't do it. So, um, and I know like when I work with people in my psychology practice, just sometimes sitting down and closing your eyes can really rev people up. So they thought, you know, if they were in the beta or high beta brainwave pattern before they shut their eyes, it seems to go up and get worse. And then they tell me that they can't do meditation. But this is just a normal thing that can happen. And then the more that you sit in it, the more you train your brain to go into states of alpha and theta um, and and it, it resolves itself over time so it's just to expect that that can happen and it's no big deal if it happens um, that it, it shifts itself the longer you sit in meditation that you make it a practice and a habit and I mean a client told me the other day that she couldn't do meditation because she's afraid of the dark I said you know like eventually when we're meditating we can go into a blackness and just a nothingness and she said, oh, no, I'd be too afraid of the dark. And I'm like, yeah, that, I mean, I understand, you know, but the more you do it, just like closing your eyes, it, it settles itself down over time. 
and with practice. And that's what I like about how he set this out. It's really step by step. He's really holding our hand and just telling us what to do one second, one moment at a time and giving it in bite-sized pieces. Um, one of the things grandmother shared about just associations, I realized like just setting up a place to meditate that's regular, that doesn't have like the family distractions, that you don't have anything else you do in that place, like whether that's a chair, whether that's a, a blanket on a particular chair, but that you start to create the associations with a place so that every time you sit there, you're automatically now keying into the rewards of what you gained from the days before you were meditating in that same spot. So it sort of starts to build a momentum. And so he spends a bit of time helping us prepare like locations, like making sure there's, and I'm on page 225 for people wanting to follow this in the book, but he's talking about just preparing your environment and your location and just allowing those neural networks to come up with a, an automatic program in that location. So, um, and not to have too many distractions because honestly, closing your eyes, if you're not uh, if you're developing this skill, closing your eyes is a massive distraction with your own thoughts anyway. So just to not have extra things to be concerned about um, on top of that distraction is really wise, like make it a nice quiet place, you know, that your family won't be barging in or making it a time of the day where you feel that you can make it regular. Like for me, early mornings are good. I like the um, first thing meditating. Um, other people find other times that they prefer to do it to make a regular out of it but yeah there's lots to cover I'm really excited for everybody wanting to get into this sort of state um, and, and make meditation a way of life really like a beautiful part of life every day it is I want to share with you some of the tests that have actually happened especially since you're having clients and patients with that okay what's happened in the labs that we've worked with in actually inducing people to close their eyes and see just blackness, okay? It, it is amazing to me how many numbers of people are, are really taboo with that, really, okay? And you have a lot of very new age devotees that have been taught to meditate and see white light, okay? So basically there was discussion with that and the guys in the lab said, you know what? Why don't we just look this and see what the actual, you know, what the, what's the text shows? So we did that. We found that when people go in, okay, first off, when you close your eyes, it don't matter what you say, it's black. Okay, close your eyes. You, you know, wouldn't matter what somebody told you. If you closed your eyes, you're seeing black. Okay, so it's already happened. They closed their eyes. All right. And then when we said, you know, uh, evoke or bring to you whatever comfort you need right now as to what you're seeing and some of them did say white light some of them said different colors okay all of it showed the same line the same pattern so the point of reality is once they close their eyes like it or not you're seeing black you know it's us it's us pronouncing it or us making it a point that actually begins to scare them and pe a lot of people associate the black with evil. Okay, you know, so they really can't get into this. So we, you know, I have stopped, especially at first I fill my crowd out and stuff. And if they, you know, you see, you have a few mixed in there that says, well, I use white light. Hey, it's all right. When you close your eyes, you only going to see black. Okay. <laughs> and so let's bring the white experience and everything into it. So Marianne, I, I would say soften the approach with that. And if they say that, you can actually offer it. Say, if you, you know, the point is when you close your eyes, everything is black. And if, however, you want to bring something else into that white light or whatever that makes you more comfortable, please do so. So just know that dwelling on the blackness is something that takes you into a deeper universal place of your neural net. If people are ready for that, let them go. Let them do it. If they're going to have some hesitance about it, the important thing is to get them meditating. Okay. So if white light does it for them, let them go with that. 
I, I find myself that I find the, the blackness soothing and I can feel things like my body releasing itself and things going away. It's it's really up to the individual experience. I wouldn't hang anybody on just saying that. And our test results were we were able to get them all to the same place of nothingness through however they needed to see the blackness, or however they needed to experience it. The reality was to get them to shut their eyes. So I hope that helps you a little bit. Okay. All right. We're going to go to Trina. And Trina, what did what did you find in these two chapters? Well, what I thought was really interesting in here, I learned how to meditate over 20 years ago, and that's been a practice for me since then. And I learned a process called Kriya Yoga meditation, which was really a focus on the breath. But it was always taught that it was a scientific process, but they never went into the explanations like Dr. Joe does about the science of it, about what happens with the body and the mind and how the how the uh, brain waves change. So for me, it was very enlightening going through this and, and saying, oh, now I can recognize the induction pieces that I had learned and what the induction pieces are doing. And so that little side of my brain that always said, well, why am I doing this? Finally was satisfied reading this book. So it's really wonderful the way he combines this. Um, on page 219, he talks about how important it is um, and that this takes us out of the environment, the time and our body and allows us to open up to that creative inner being of who we truly are. And I, and I really love it because for me, I find that when things are going too crazy, I can literally just go off, sit for a couple minutes and breathe. And now I know I've created those neural nets in my brain that will immediately, I just drop in and I sit there. And when I come out, I have such clarity and, and peace and I can focus. So this is a tool that you can use, you know, the whole rest of your life. And so some of the things that were so important, the bit about preparing yourself, because preparing getting yourself out of the environment, getting yourself out of body, getting yourself out of time. All the things he said was making it comfortable. Um, that same place, being able to step into a place. Those are so important. But it's funny that you brought up the music because I remember saying, oh, I really love the soft music. And an instructor I said, said, well, but then you'll learn how to use the soft music. And at that time, he said, you don't want to carry like a boom box around with you. So you have your, you know, soft music. So you really want to be able to, I'm not saying don't use it. It's lovely. And it really does, you know, change the whole mood in your system. But to learn how to just bring yourself into that place um, of meditation without all the outside environmental needs is critically important. Um, he actually talks through page um, 225 to about 227, he talks about all the preparations you can do. They were exactly the same as what I had learned in the process that I learned years ago. So it was really nice to have that affirmation in the book as well. And for me, when he says, be patient and love yourself, and this is good, that was the biggest thing for me, because there would be times I'd be so frustrated. Um, and I go, oh, this isn't working. But then it's like, okay, I'm going to just be patient again. I'm going to love myself. This is good. And so that's where I would go. But it's actually become a, something that I love. And I love having it as part of my life. And learning these processes is key and important. And once you learn the patterns and you create those neural nets, you've got to remember this is a practice. So just like riding a bike, learning how to write learning how to play the piano, all these things you practice until you get very good at them. So um, I just, I think what was really meaningful for me in this, in these two chapters was the fact that it was very affirming um, for what I've seen taught in so many other places, but it added the science piece of it. So now I know what's going on in my brain. I know what's going on in my body and I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. So it was pretty, it's phenomenal. They're definitely worth following this process. Wonderful. That was, that was very good sharing. Thank you very much. So Maria Jacques in Florida, what's up down there and how, what did you get out of this? Well, what's up down here is we're very hot. <laughs> <laughs> That's everywhere. Yeah. 
anyways, it's, you know, for me, um, like everybody has kind of said, is he kind of really starts to lay out the groundwork and give us the map. You know, he's done such a wonderful job throughout this whole book of giving us all the science and the information. And in the next two chapters, starting with this one, he really starts to lay out the, the how-to and the map, you know, you know, from preparing the environment to distractions and when to meditate, how long to meditate, and all these things. And those are all important. But what I wanted to talk to you was about, you know, for me, what, what really hit me in, in working with his, um, his meditations is that for me, what I wanted to address was, you know, you just need to show up. Some days I don't want to show up. You know, I didn't want to, when I started working with this, it was like, oh, this is something I have to do because I'm being told to do this and we're working with this, that, and the other. And I, and I would do it because I was, you know, there's, I wanted to embrace the teachings and I would do it and I would find myself almost like, okay, I got I to gotta fit this into my busy schedule. Okay. And it was a long meditation that, that, you know, one of his initial med the meditation is a lengthy meditation, but there's a purpose for that because how he takes you through the induction and getting into those alpha and theta wave brains is really important when you're coming to look at breaking the habit of ourselves because we have to get to that subconscious. So for me, more the, the point that I really got for this, and then because I made a commitment to myself, I just showed up. And what has come out of it for me is I now look forward to it so much that like Marianne, I started with, I do it in the mornings and, you know, he, he says, you know, don't do it laying down, but I have found that as soon as I'm waking up before I start my day, I lay there and I'm still in kind of like that, you know, in between dream state or whatever. And I do the meditation because how he's leading, if you're working with these techniques, you're really, the future becomes the now. That's what he's teaching us how to do. And that how we want to be the new self can be actually experienced in the present moment. And everything that he has spoken about, you know, to the point of feeling the intention, how critical that is. I finally have gotten to that point where I begin to feel that some days are better than others. Like he says, you know, some days my mind is really, 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 you know, chatter, chatter. And, you know, I, and it's like a little kid, you know, the little kid goes off and you kind of need to bring it back. But I have found that if I don't do my meditation, I, I'm missing something now as compared to when I started. And the other point is, is that you have, you had asked us and, and, and his guided meditations for me have been really instrumental in getting to the point where I'm weaning myself off of having to listen to a meditation. And I started doing that. And I said, okay, I'm gonna, I, I wasn't gonna listen to anything, not even music. And I set the timer and I said, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna time myself because I, I didn't know how long I was gonna be. And so I set the timer for half an hour because I said, I really can't do more than that. I might not be able to do more than that. And I forgot to press the button. So I laid there and, and I did the meditation because after you do, you hear it so many times, you're rewiring the brain. You're, you're, you're creating that new neural net. And all of a sudden, because I could hear my own voice, but I could hear, I, I now knew the map because Joe is, this is what he's laying out the, the framework for. And then he has the guided meditations in the appendixes. And then when I realized I had gone through the whole meditation and I, cause you can feel yourself go through those wavelengths. And all of a sudden I woke, you know, I brought, I felt myself coming out of it. And when I looked at the, my watch, it had been an hour and I didn't even realize it. And I thought, Oh, what happened to my timer? And I looked at it and I didn't set it. I didn't push start. So what I took away from this chapter, yes, all of these things, preparing and getting the environment to start, all of that is really important. But what I got up is just show up. 
just do it. You know, like the Nike saying, just do it. It's yeah. just at some point it, it kicks in. It really does kick in. It does. It really does. And I, I'm very happy to hear you say one of the things that I actually find with people and listen, this is people that's been working with Joe for four years. They don't do any meditation without listening to his tapes. This is not meditation. What you described is meditation. Joe does the practice repetitively with you to show you the how to do this. Mm -hmm. You are meditating when you shut that off and you don't need him to tell you how to do that. Okay. Yep. I think I know for myself, I love Joe Dispenza. I feel like he's almost a son because I've known him so many years. I knew him when he was in Ramtha's camp and all of that. So, but, and he could, when he talks, I just automatically go there. Okay. But you have to do the meditation on your own. You have to come to it to where you have absorbed the process. Like you said, you've got the neural networking and that you begin to do that. And I think anybody that's listened to the tapes and worked with them for three months, you need to start weaning yourself off of needing to hear Joe say it and do it, okay? And begin to realize how much you get out of it. And I think you showed that by sharing with us that you went an hour without even knowing it was an hour because once you got into it, you were there. And I think that that's real important that we need to do, we need to hear I often, when I have a hard time settling in, I play some of Joe's teachings, like where he's actually presented or something. And I listen to sometimes over and over again, his teaching on the centers or something like that. And that just puts me back into the science of mind when the world has got all crambled in my head and all of the demands and whatever. And it just helps me put the science back together so that I know what I'm going forward to. So there are so many tools here. You, there's no way you can ever say you can't do it unless you just don't do it. And I right. show you do it. Okay, we're going to go to Joyce in Kingman, Arizona. So Joyce, what have you gotten out of these two chapters? Well, I have some things I want to share that are my personal reactions to these chapters. So I haven't got pages I can really refer people to. Two of the things I recognized really strongly. One was that my goal is to be able to connect with the unknown as a daily way of living. And what he is offering us here, I believe, is the road to do that. The other thing I recognize is I want a relationship with my brain. And in wanting that relationship, the, the brain waves I've been um, kind of focusing on for a few weeks now, the two exercises that grandmother has encouraged us to do, one is of writing, for setting a timer for whatever number of minutes, three minutes, five minutes, and with a pen and pencil in hand, writing down all your thoughts. Well, it doesn't matter how many times I do this, I am just astonished at the number of thoughts that come tumbling through because the brain is capable of having that many thoughts. So that's great. But the goal is to be aware of those thoughts and to be in control of those thoughts. So then the next step that she encourages us to do is to close your eyes. And this time you don't have a pen or a pencil. And again, you set a timer. And it's such an amazing difference. Just the sheer fact that your eyes are closed your brain waves have started to slow down. So anyone that has any doubts that this works, that's probably a really great starting point. The other thing that grandmothers encourage us over time is to have a metronome. And I have been doing this of a number of times recently because I want to get in touch with the rapid movement that happens with those brain waves. And listening today to what 60 seconds was compared to 120 seconds, there is just such a huge difference when you speed it up. And those are the lower brain waves to have one in a second or two in a second. Those are the slower brain waves. 
So in order to get a concept that I can understand, that has been really, really helpful for me because our brain waves are what are serving us in this whole process. So I've been working with that. And then the other two things I think he covers in these two chapters is the science of it, as well as the practicality of it. And I love the fact that he touches with the science that there are actually 100 million neurons in our brain. Now, just even starting at that, how can you really picture 100 million neurons? These are all separate nerve cells. Well, with those 100 million neurons, we have a hundred, we have 1,000 trillion connecting points. Okay, so anyone who, who says, I can't do something, they just need to stop for a minute and think, this is what my brain can do. And I can't ever possibly use even a small portion of that. So I might as well get started and see how many of them I can travel with. So I think that's pretty exciting. The practical parts he talks about in these two chapters is what's already been covered very well. The induction process that he describes of space and of just getting prepared for your environment is similar to if, if first thing in the morning before you're going to go for a rapid run or walk, you want to prepare your body. Well, obviously, we want to prepare ourselves for meditation. So the induction process definitely does that. And the space within space, I explored that very thoroughly today in my own head. And I recognized what we're going for with space within space is to get to the point that we recognize our bodies are only 0.0001% matter. So when we really get in touch with the space, we recognize we're space and we're totally, there's no stopping of what we're connected to. So that's kind of where I've gone today with preparing for what I It's fantastic, Joyce. That was very exciting. And I love how you wove the science in there. And actually, when you, like you're speaking of the space within space, once you've listened enough with the tapes and learned that, what you are at that very moment of accepting that is that you are the field. And when you begin to entertain for that split second that you are the field, there is no explanation to what goes off in the body, mind, and spirit. So that's real good that you brought that point up. Thank you very much for that. So let's go over and talk to Rosemary in Frankfurt, Germany. Rosemary, what have you gotten out of these two chapters? Um, well, the main thing I got out of it was that um, basically the idea, and maybe that sounds a little bit contrary, but I, the idea of being unsettled and uncomfortable and how to deal with that. So that was something I had to go through, <laughs> you know, because once you, once you as, as has been shared before, once you open up that subconsciousness, you know, and uh, the cerebellum who knows how to drive my car also drives all my programs, you know, and um, uh, I think there's a real fierce reaction of the body, actually, that's what I experienced, a very fierce reaction, and one of the main strategies my body used was a, a tremendous tiredness, oh my god, I was only so tired starting the meditation, and it helped me to talk to other people uh, in a group about the, these different things which come up and um, I noticed that when I resist the meditation just the thought of it my addictive body my ego has won in that moment and uh, that resistance and also not the one of the ways the resistance can show up is also confusion like questioning the practice or I don't understand it and also allowed people in places as well some excuses so I found all that and how do I get out of it? Well, I've learned also that my real victory is that I've noticing it. You know, I always thought, well, you know, I, I'm not supposed to have thoughts and I'm not supposed to have that. No, no, it's still happening, especially when you are in the beginning process of it. But I noticed that the victory was to notice it, to become the observer. That's the victory. 
And um, that was really a process for me to understand. And also my inner critic really hit me often in the beginning saying, oh, here you lost it again. Failure, failure. You had one thought, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and and, and I, I, it was a real thing to understand. Wow, in the moment I'm observing this thought, I'm out of it. I'm gone. My ego is gone because I move in the observer. And regarding the space, I, I, what I really noticed with the space is, and I, it's, it's great that you say the field, but I noticed with the space is you cannot really think when you are sensing the space. I mean, you can't really be analytical or, I mean, I don't have a sense that I can really think in that moment. So it is for actually being in the field. And uh, the other thing I wanted to share was that uh, I have been using, and I still do, and maybe that's an idea for some other people who are struggling a little bit with it. I do some breath work before I start these meditations. And sometimes I do it a little bit longer, sometimes shorter, depends on where I am. And I do it in the evening or during the day, especially, because uh, I feel that my nervous system has to kind of like be prepared a little bit. And, and uh, that is a little bit of, not a critique, but maybe in addition to what he's saying, this book was written in 2012, and there was a big time of the brain is the thing. But nowadays, we are looking more at the nervous system. The nervous system is the thing. The electrical body is the thing. And I have to use some coherent heart breath to calm down or some other breath work I do. And then I go into my meditations often, especially the long ones or when it's during the day. I do meditate during the day. Uh, and I do, of course, in the morning. And I, I feel that that is helping me a lot. And the other thing I, I'd like to share is that journaling is key. I feel um, that uh, my successes I wrote down and my failures really helped me to stay focused on, on what I need to do in the meditation, what I want to look at. And uh, I wanted to share that I like the idea of the, uh, uh, how do you, does you say, the broad focus and this narrow focus. When I first heard about that, I didn't give it much attention because I thought, oh, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. But now I notice that going into a broader focus is really making a big difference in how I am present in the meditation. Broader focus is actually the spaces, you know, moving into the broader focus of your body, of your heart, you know, because we are our egg around our body and beyond that. And the narrow focus is a focus where I'm stressed out where I'm trying to figure it out. How do I do this meditation? Or how do I do it? Or what is going on? And that is not working. So that really helped me to practice that more. So that's just two points I want to share for right now. That's really, really cool. That's really cool. So I actually want us, because we haven't heard from Diana, so we were going to have her tell us what's happening. And she has a friend with her that's traveling with her that has never actually even seen the book break in the habit and so she's sharing the success of what her friend is going through and experiencing so i'd hope that get bring a little bit of that in for us but obviously when we travel around the world we we have this thing with the internet so definitely it's to me it's still not as available as i would like it to be and readily obtainable so we're just going to have to move on today without her. But we, if she can hear us, we wish you definitely to be safe and enjoying and having a blast, okay, and be healthy. But what some of the things that I want to say here is like, especially with you, my co-host, I'm hoping that you're not just listening to tapes. I don't care who's there, Joe's or anybody. You need to be meditating, and that means go inside yourself. Okay, I agree with Trina and I spent many years in Kira Yoga. There is extremely intense places that you can definitely reach through Kira Yoga. And I'm sure you've had some of that too, Trina. But in look in looking at everything that we do, okay, the the fact that we're 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 involving ourselves in journeying through the mind and through the body into the space-time situation that we experience when we are a physical experience, okay? And in doing that, one of the things that, that I truly wish that you're doing is like before my meditation, first off, I spend four very long periods of my day doing healing altars, which means 
I shut everything else off and I go into the meditative state and I stay there as I'm working through all of the requests for healing and things that people have asked for personal assistance with. And what I do with that is, and I'm sure many of you, and we need to find a way, maybe uh, our engineer could help us actually see a video to where we teach people how to do the balancing dance, the earth, earth balancing dance. It's a Cherokee movement of yoga and actually some of what I would consider Tai Chi. It's kind of a mix there. Okay, and I do that, but then as after I get through with doing acknowledging the four directions with that, which is part of what I generate when I'm doing the healing altars, okay? And then I go into allowing the universe to speak to me through sign language. In my childhood and as a girl, most of our prayer time, if you if you wanted to call it prayer time, but our connected time was the actual movement and experience of the hands in regards to what the five fingers actually emanate. So each finger having an element, I see that and I use it now, comb it through space and that and go with it. There's something that happens. There's something that happens to you when you do this, when you allow your hands to express what you're feeling, because there's no language. So many times we have this feeling, we'll say, we, I don't know how to get you to understand the impact of what I felt. It's because it can't be in words. It has to be in movement. And so many times when I've traveled to Honolulu and to places in Hawaii and worked with the shamans and the medicine people there and them show just, just the motion of what one can do by putting your fingers together, okay? And how that represents the volcano for crying out. I, I had such awakening with that as a young woman, learning that and experiencing that and what the hula actually is doing. Yes, it's a beautiful sensual dance, but it sends out such harmony. So for me, it's like I putting all that together. That's how I unload my day or whatever else time. Sleep is not such a big part of my timely time of the day. I find that through the energy work I do rejuvenates me very, very fast. So actually learning to make that particular motion or activity a meditative time will help a whole lot of you advance into where you want to be aware of exactly what you are. When you consider the creation of the body and the 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 tremendous intelligence that's in our body that does what it does without orchestration from us at all, okay? When you really get into that, you begin to understand the word miracle, that you are having the experience of a body is a miracle. You having the ability to think and create is power and how do you experience that unless you allow yourself that so i i've definitely lately had a tremendous amount of women saying that they want to dance that they're finding that instead of meditation they just want to put on a piece of music and dance and i don't just mean all spiritual beautiful meditation dance they get out there they want to jump they want to move around you know so they put on something that throws them into motion and that and that when they're through, how they say how much relief. Well, it's a fact. And what we don't ever want to forget is with music. It is through music that we can only connect through the vagus system and the 10th cranial nerve, mind and heart at the same time. So it isn't just about you listening. It's about you singing with it and you letting go and you putting it in there because so many of you are not experiencing from the heart. You're still experiencing through the head. The only way you're going to open that up is through music and dance and sing it. So some part of this meditation time that you're having, you want to put in a little yoga and you want to put in a little of the body things. And for all of us who actually work this, the run, live the spiritual path of earth spirituality, it is definitely honoring with those directional dances that we call earth balancing. 
And with that, actually including in that, then just a melting into that. Once you send the energy out for that one time, bringing it back in over yourself and sitting with that. And then just allowing your thoughts to become motions with your hands and making that expressive and creative to you. Got to experience that. You got to experience that. And it juxtaposes you into the universe and sits at depth and speed that you'll actually become addicted to that very, very fast. And so sometimes, like I said, for me, if, you know, two, three hours is what I have to go through with meditation. And the point is, that's me putting myself into being the instrument. And once I have positioned myself as the instrument of what is being downloaded and can heal for other people, that's another almost five, six hours, okay? And I don't miss a beat. I have family time. It's like people start saying, well, that takes so much so much of your day. No, it does not. Uh, people who are with me here can tell you I'm available when we do different ceremonies. I'm here when we're doing our, our gardens or whatever we're doing. I have very, very long present times in doing what has to. People, I run two business, two organizations, well, actually three businesses now, and two organizations. And my businesses are very successful. So I do what you do. I just make sure that the primary time of what that is, is given to what makes me who I am. Now, I'm not saying everybody should do the healing altars like I take on myself. I'm an elder. And in that, I take that responsibility very serious. But just to take the time for your body to involve movement, it is meditation. No different than a walk in meditation. It's an altered state of mind. Joe doesn't go into that right now in eight or nine, the nine and ten. But definitely you're talking about the same mind space to do that. Give it a try. Stepping to a greater sense of you and take that through your day. Ladies, is there anything you'd like to say in wrapping up on what we've actually brought to our listeners today? And uh, let's give them something to go home with so to say i have i'd, I'd like to um bring the uh, insight forward that i gained today i was reading a lot about neurofeedback and all the amazing ways that they have mechanically i don't know whether mechanically is the word but um scientifically use the use processes to access the brain and help with many conditions as i was reading through that the insight I received was everything that we have talked about with meditation is possible, yeah. equal, and more than something like neurofeedback, which is special, and I'm glad it's available. But it just opened up my head to realizing, okay, this is possible, but there's a whole lot more possible that we have totally in our control. Very good, very good, Joyce. Anybody else? I think for me, what really with both chapters and kind of to add to what Joyce was saying is, you know, Joe and all of his material, he uses the word sense a lot and aware, but a lot, he says, can you sense? And once you just keep doing this, I personally, I'll share from my own experience, I really have gotten to that point where I'm beginning to sense that I'm part of that field and being that energy, you know, and that's like Joyce was saying, you start to tap into all the possibilities of the field and what we can do. Now, the challenge is living in that a hundred percent or, you know, definitely a hundred percent. No, we're not going to always come up perfect, but like I said earlier, just showing up and getting that sense of the field is really, really amazing. It is. It is. It, it, to me, it's everything. And I'm sure that's what you're expressing. I have found, I don't know how anybody lives outside of meditation. Okay. Anybody else got something you want to add to the wrap up? Some personal experience that you've had? This is Marianne. You're just adding to what you you and um, grandmother were sharing just around meditating. Like that, 
for me, it's been some of the most beautiful experiences of love that I've actually known, like just tuning, just being a part of love, like love filling up my whole being. And it's been through meditation that I've actually uh, experienced that more so than any other way in my life, like any other time in my life. And, and that came after lots of practice of meditation and, and it doesn't always happen, but it happens almost to me sometimes in the, in the experience of meditation. So it's worth it. Like, wow, it's so worth it. And, and, and that particular refill or charge takes you so many hours and so many distances, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Rosemary, Trina, anything? Yeah. I, I wanted to say that when, in the beginning, I remember times when I thought I was meditating, but after a few minutes, I noticed I was just listening to the chatter of my mind. So if this happens to you, just don't be hard on yourself. Be kind. And how, just how Dr. Joe shares, gently pull yourself back. Keep pulling yourself back. And just like Marion said, then you, you will arrive. You will arrive to that space. And understand something that until you are willing to share, it's something that we don't understand, is the exchange is what makes the reality of our life. And I don't care what it is, there's an exchange, a given and a taking, okay? And when you have had these experiences and what we're doing here, sharing with you, our listeners, this is how it confirms to us and makes us more beneficial from what we're saying. And I want to share uh, in Trina, your behalf, when I shared this morning or earlier in our startup that you have just come off of a tour in Europe. Obviously, you worked very, very hard because you had a few cases of people who needed extra assistance and stuff. But I had asked Trina that in her traveling, because her and her husband actually have a business as entrepreneurs, the where they 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 take these tours with business people that in restoration and disaster cleanup and fix up and everything. And so with having 30, 40 people and going on that journey, I ask her to make sure she includes these teachings because not necessarily in that field would someone be as enlightened in what we study and do as people seeking it like we do. And I was so moved by watching the energy and the scale of the energy and the change in what you were sharing, Trina, the little things that she shared and having them understand how much more enhancing this whole journey and tour is going to be with these little practices and mindfulness and stuff that she was doing. And it was extremely powerful. I would like every one of you to realize, because you're all speakers and motivated people, you're out working with people, whether it's you teaching interpretation, Rosemary, or, or you're working with the children, Maria, and even with your clients and patients and stuff, that you find a way that you put these little teachings in. Because this is what's going to change consciousness. This is what's going to resolve what you're not liking that's going on in the world. Is that these just these moments of where you actually take some of yourself and you invest it and you put it out there. And the returns on that is you seeing the change around you in the environment because it has effect. And if you just begin to do that, that's why I find that our travels are so important that you come out of your everyday, you know, element and you go into these different things that are changing beyond your control because you're you're in it, oh, it's the sandbox with a hundred thousand other people. But that's the moments that your teachings are the most extraordinary. So Trina, you have something you want to say to wrap up uh, this? Particular yeah, well, one to add a little bit of what you were saying. I just got some more feedback from um, a gentleman whose wife was actually there using a wheelchair part of the time and a cane part of the time. And he said, I don't know what's happened to her. She gets up in the morning now. She greets the day. She's not using her cane. She's so full of life. And he said the experiences that she had on that trip, she's a totally different person now. And he said, I just have to tell you how thankful I am because my wife is back. And she just started creating. And I, what I wanted to share was with, with this, with meditation, with these little snippets of information, I went on a four-day meditation retreat. So that's what we did the whole time. And I had some amazing experiences. And it was with two rabbis. And so there were some breathing meditations there. It was just crazy. 
And in one of my meditations, um, I had this big awareness about what would it be like if I was so consciously aware of being connected with the field or the divine, like every minute it would come. And I went to one of the rabbis and I shared it with him. And he just looked in my eyes and said, imagine what it would be if within every second you were aware that you were connected to the divine, connected to the field. Amen. He said, that's where you want to go. That's where this will take you. And I, I mean, it just lit me up totally, you know, to, to say, if I spend my time in this, I, I will create that in my life. And so that's, that's, I mean, that this will take you there. Okay. Very, very good. We're getting ready. Uh, a, a group of ladies and I are getting ready to head north at the end of this month and actually involve ourselves in some of the deeper particular secrets and what's going on with with the universalness of us and believe me meditation will be a tremendous part of the time we spend and actually being inside that energy so it's it's really fantastic to just relax and let yourself learn how to do it i don't care if you want to call it mindfulness which it is it's an altered state and the seed to that is hypnosis Okay, so we're moving on to seeing you another week, and we hope that your week ends up as beautiful and as positive as anything you want. No, you control that. And it's even better yet if you prepare yourself that no matter how well you scheduled your day, that what you're open to is whatever the unknown drops in, because it's always better. It's always whipped cream on top of it, okay? So have a wonderful week and we'll see you next week. OCO. Thank you for listening to Quantum Leap Book Club. For more information where you can contact us, go to LOARadioNetwork.com forward slash quantum hyphen leap. Have a great week.